0: All right, we have arrived. Week 18 of the NFL season, the final week of the regular season. It's motivation week. Everybody's talking about motivation. Joey, what is still motivating you to play on DraftKings.com at this point in the year?
1: I mean, not not much to be quite honest i mean i like i i said before on a previous podcast it's more so just a factor of the nfl in general hasn't been that good in my opinion the quality of games haven't been that good and from that standpoint it really just makes me not even want to watch football but obviously i still like gambling on it i still like talking about dfs and trying to figure out the most optimal lineup for cash games which i feel like we do really well i still have fun you know, betting on props, probably more fun than I do with making DFS lineups and tournament lineups at this point. So just been focusing on prize picks over the last month or so of the season rather than DFS. And I mean, moving forward, I think this this change was inevitable and, and we're kind of ahead of the curve with the content that we're doing. And uh, we'll probably even focus more on it moving forward when next season comes, but props in general are just easier to talk about. They're easier to listen to. It's more quick hitting content rather than long form DFS content where you have to talk strategy, roster construction and whatnot. The reward is kind of the same, uh, in, in my opinion, at least. Uh, unless you absolutely run good in DFS, if you play $500, you're probably gonna profit somewhere between like two to $300 on a good week. Maybe even a little bit more than that, maybe like 500, 600, where you could do that on Prize Picks off one slip. It's more, like I said, it's more accessible to everybody, props and and Prize Picks and Underdog and all these other sites. It's easier and the content is more digestible. So for those reasons, I think, honestly, that these prop sites have kind of, I don't want to say killed DFS, but they've definitely taken the, the market, at least in my opinion. But I will say, like, DraftKings, like, they're they're obviously still filling their contests or whatever. But it's just kind of boring now.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's, like, a freshness thing just because we've been doing this for so long that it just feels stale. I think that what you're saying also plays a big factor. It's just easier to do. It's easier for, like, a casual player to win on prize picks, I think, than it is to win on DraftKings these days. There, There's so few casual players. Like, I think DraftKings still has its place. Like, I'm excited to play the playoff slates coming up, but these large main slates are just... I don't know, man. They're They're just not it. And, like, to your point about the quality of games, like as we're about to get to, there's 13 games on this slate, 13 games with 26 NFL teams playing and the highest total is 43. Like the fuck (laughs) are we actually doing? It's atrocious. So I don't think DraftKings is dead. I think it has its place. I'll be very excited to play week one next year. I'll, I'll always be excited for short slates, Thanksgiving slates, but I don't know. I wouldn't say DraftKings is dead, but it might be on its last leg.
1: I think you put it perfectly. It has its place. It's it's never going to be like completely dead where they can't fill like the $20 Millie Maker, right? Or the, the large $3. I don't think it'll ever get to that point, but I could see DraftKings dying a little bit, but it obviously has its customer base already. It has people that are just, they're they're entrenched in the game, right? Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of these are, are people that do content. And, and we're really just all competing against each other, in my opinion. Like, how many casuals are there, are there really left in DFS? I mean, we talked about this before, and this is a uh, interesting discussion. But to to win a tournament on, on DraftKings, obviously the the reward is higher, the payoff is greater, but you also need to get nine things right, essentially, or, or maybe eight or seven, depending on the contest you're in. You need to get like seven to eight things right. Plus, you have to beat out a bunch of other people. Whereas when you're on Prize Picks, to be profitable long term, if you're just strictly doing like six leg parlays, which you know, you need to get six things right. You could be profitable hitting just 4% of your bets long term. Yeah. And the the payoff is, is 25x. So if you're doing $20 units, that's 500 a pop every time you hit. I mean, is that easier than winning a tournament like that's really the question that i have like
0: without a doubt it is i think i mean especially if you're talking about anything like larger than a thousand person field it's it's
1: absolutely easier and then you take into account like we pay for the projections right and we find the discrepancies early in the week and and we we essentially do get it in good obviously it's a parlay at the end of the day and it usually loses on its last leg or somebody (laughs) sells but you know all all it takes is a, a good day or two as we go back to my weekend like 3 weeks ago where I won like 1500 that put me profitable over the last 3 months off 2 days yeah and, and that's me doing like 10 $20 bets max so yeah I just think that DraftKings it, it's definitely died down a little bit I don't see much talk about DFS anymore on the timeline compared to even like two years ago which is crazy to see and my whole timeline is just literally props now prize picks underdog parlay play uh, monkey knife fight etc and just got to change with the game I, I mean I, I put out a tweet a few weeks ago I said if you're a, a content creator and you're not focused on props or, or starting to like you're just, you're just gonna be behind the curve at this point
0: What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 279 of the DFS Dose podcast, your fix of daily fantasy sports information, strategy, and analysis. I'm your host, Ben Halver, joined as I always am by Joey Carrion. And on today's show... We are going to work our way through a 13-game main slate on DraftKings, the final main slate of the regular season, eight games early, five games in the afternoon. We'll talk about the cash game construction. We'll touch on teams and player motivation. Close out the show with tournament strategy, leverage stacks, and long shots. Joey, how are you feeling as we close out this regular season?
1: Feeling good, feeling good. Um, Not a lot of games that, that look too appetizing, and then obviously we have to... Uh... Uh, go through what teams have to play for what and in the seating and whatnot because that will definitely impact the slate for sure but all in all not not the best slate uh from a just overall NFL game perspective
0: Without a doubt. I mean, that being said, there are still a lot of good teams with a lot to play for. You know, Bills, Bengals, Ravens, Patriots, Dolphins, Steelers, Eagles, Cowboys, Seahawks. Like there's still a lot of high powered offenses playing for playoff seating. So we'll, we'll get into that as this develops here. We can talk about it from a Vegas perspective, and things look ugly. Like I mentioned, there's 13 games, 26 teams playing. The highest total game on this slate is forty-three. Every game is totaled somewhere between 38 and 43. Top five implied team totals this week Philly, 28.5, San Francisco, 27.25, Minnesota, 25.25, Buffalo, 25, Cincinnati, 24.5. So, you know, all the top teams with high scoring expectations are seated somewhere between one and three. Like these are the usual suspects. What's standing out to you this week from a Vegas perspective?
1: Not much. With, with these totals. Yeah, to ugly, be honest, very ugly. Uh, I, I think that the, the field is probably just going to stack up the best teams that also have something to play for. So the Bills and the Bengals, the Eagles do have something to play for. So that does work out. Jalen Hurts should be back. The Giants, I know Brian Dable said that they're not going to rest starters, but they really have nothing to play for at this point, right? They can't get up to the five seed. They can't, you know, fall to the seven. So they're locked in at the six seed. So, I mean, the Eagles is is interesting. But other than that, I mean, not, not much is standing out to me.
0: I mean, we just got to hammer the spots that we feel confident teams are going to be playing for everything. Right. And I think that at the quarterback position, we start right off with the top players and Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts. Josh Allen's the highest priced quarterback on the slate, 8,400. Jalen Hurts, 8,200. Like, I think you're taking either one of these two guys or you're punting it off. And we have like six or seven quarterbacks priced under 5K that are starting this week Sam Ellinger, Sam Howell, Skylar Thompson, Nathan Peterman, Tyler Huntley, like, You could justify maybe punting it off to those guys, but I just don't see anybody going that route in cash games when Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts are both highly motivated and they've been the best fantasy quarterbacks in the game this year.
1: Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. You're probably playing one of these two quarterbacks at the top I don't really have a lean I think both look good Josh Allen is $200 more I think the only concern right now is whether or not the bills play
0: Mm. yeah that's obviously sort of a cloud over this slate Uh, we're recording this Thursday morning we pushed back a day to have the most information possible but the NFL still has not made an official ruling at the time of our recording as to what is the final decision regarding Buffalo Cincinnati we've heard you know every theory under the sun Every potential possible thing that they could do, but still no solid concrete information here.
1: Yeah, nobody knows exactly what they're going to do besides, obviously the top officials in the league office and and the commissioner. So we obviously don't know what the hell is going to happen with this. And hopefully, you know, they're good. I I mean, we we, we got an update on Hamlin. You know, he looks like he's going to recover. So shout out to him. Glad that he pulled through. And I'm just not sure if like the Bills are even going to want to play this game. I mean, they probably have to, I would assume, but they're definitely not going to be focused at all. And then, you know, whatever happens with the Bengals and Bills game definitely impacts the way that Cincinnati and Buffalo move. So I think we should get a ruling before Saturday. So either tomorrow or Saturday is when we should get a ruling that would make the most sense just to let these teams know what the deal is before they play their games on sunday but if we're just acting like this game is going to get played i mean the only way that the bills can get the one seed if they rule this game like a no contest or a tie is if the chiefs lose and the chiefs play on saturday right so if the chiefs win on saturday that would kind of make this game pretty meaningless for the buffalo bills now if the chiefs lose they would obviously still have the shot at the one seed We obviously don't have the information, which sucks. So for that reason, I think I would just lean Jalen Hurts in cash.
0: Yeah, they they also tossed out the potential idea of doing winning percentage as a way to mitigate that. But still, the Chiefs having 14 out of 17 wins over the Bills having 13 out of 16 if both teams win this week would still put the Chiefs ahead slightly in terms of winning percentage. So yeah, like so much of what comes down to it, I think will come down to what the NFL decides to do. The Eagles are a little bit mitigated from this, obviously, playing in the NFC. And they have to win this game because of their recent losses. They they still need a full-blown win. Like you said, the Giants have nothing to play for. And like, yeah, Brian Dable says that everyone's still going to play. But like, I kind of don't really buy that, to be honest with you, especially like, are they going to risk Saquon Barkley's health going into a meaningless game here? I don't think they do. And, and this could just be a spot where the Eagles completely pile on 8,200 against a, a team with nothing to play for. Jalen Hurts sounds really, really strong to me in cash games. And I think that would be my lean because you don't have any of the exterior concerns that you have surrounding the buffalo bills and like from a human perspective i think it's really hard to gauge like exactly what that team is going through i mean you saw josh allen on the broadcast monday night with the thousand yard stare like i think that they're probably still feeling that pretty hard inside the building and and i just don't know i think that jalen hurts is completely insulated from any risks that the bills have so i prefer him at 8200 between the two and i think he's my favorite cash game option this week
1: yep Yep, totally agree with that. Other than that, I don't think there's really any other quarterbacks that I would consider for cash games, specifically... Uh, definitely not paying down to any of these cheap quarterbacks these teams are obviously just in evaluation mode see what they have for next year i mean burrow is definitely interesting the the bangles no matter what have something to play for in that game against baltimore so i think burrow at 7300 is solid cowboys still have something to play for deck prescott 6600 then you got kurt cousins at 6500 tom brady 64 i mean the, this range isn't really that interesting definitely with, with brady that that game is meaningless. The Bucks already locked up the division. Geno Smith, I guess, is is okay at six K. Like the the Seahawks need to win, right? So I guess he's probably my favorite in this range. But there, there's not too many guys that I would target.
0: Yeah, no, it, it's atrocious. Like I, I prefer just getting up to Hertz or Allen over Geno. Burrow definitely is interesting, and I would consider that for tournaments. But in cash games, I would just take the safety of Hertz. There. Moving on to the running back position, I think a big question this week is whether or not we trust the motivational aspects of of the 49ers team, right? Like right now, they are still live for the number one scene. They can clinch it with a win over the Cardinals and a loss by the Eagles. But the Eagles, like we've mentioned, are going to be playing a Giants team with nothing to play for. So it seems relatively unlikely that they have a good shot to win the number one seed and they would be locked in here at number two. So, I mean, CMC 9300, good matchup. He's coming off Off of yet another monster game, 34.3 points on DraftKings last week. He's gone for 28 plus and four out of his last five. Like he is the best running back option on the slate if we knew for sure that he would be playing 100% of the game. I don't know that that is the case. Elijah Mitchell was activated to the 53-man roster this week and practiced on Wednesday.
1: Yeah, definitely a situation to monitor as the rest of this week goes on 9300 for cmc is a pretty hefty price tag and If he's limited at all, he's probably not a good play. But right now, he's projected as, you know, the best running back value on the slate. San Francisco last week, they saw that the Eagles lost, right? Saw that they could potentially have an opening to the one seed. CMC had one of his best games of the season. 121 yards on the ground, a touchdown. Six catches on nine targets, 72 yards. 34 DraftKings points, his second best game on DraftKings this year so so they saw that and and they were willing to to feed cmc once they saw that they could potentially get that one seed and i I think that they probably play this game with the hope of getting the one seed and the starters obviously they could just check the score like if the eagles are up like 28 at halftime i think that the niners probably just you know, pull their starters or start resting their starters and working in some of the backups. So I think I think there is some risk there for sure. Totally
0: agree with that. And there are some decent mid-range options on DraftKings this week at the running back position. I think sort of the, the low sixes and high fives is the range that most people are going to be in for cash games. I think both running backs in the Seahawks-Rams game are interesting. Cam Akers followed up his monster week 16 performance against denver with another solid outing last week had 19 attempts for 123 yards his second consecutive 100 yard week in a row now he gets a very beatable seattle defense obviously the rams don't have anything to play for except for spoiler and I mean, that doesn't really change anything for me with the Rams, right? Like they've had no motivation for the playoffs up to this point. So I think that they feed Cam Akers once again, 6,200. He's very interesting. Kenneth Walker on the other side of the ball at 6,400 is projecting really well. Seahawks season on the line. He, in his own right, has had two consecutive 100-yard rushing games. So I think both of these guys are going to be in play for cash games this week.
1: Totally, totally agree. I like both Kenneth Walker and Cam Akers. I also would consider Najee Harris in in the same tier as those players uh, after the Steelers by Najee Harris has just seen a ton of opportunity he's actually been kind of decent in fantasy five straight games with 10 plus DraftKings points three straight games with about 15 plus DraftKings points in each eight catches on 12 targets over his last two games and the Steelers also do need a win they could potentially get in with what a, a Patriots loss and a Dolphins loss so the, Steel- the Steelers do have an outside shot at the playoffs and Najee Harris 6100 looks okay so I, I would consider those three the the best plays in that tier of 6k running backs the high six you know low seven k-tier running back is interesting because you have kamara at 6600 i think he's going to project well three straight weeks of like 17 plus touches but like no pass catching upside now Ramondre stevenson is 6700 i don't think people are going to play him but obviously this is a must win game for new england and they're probably going to be losing to the bills he had six catches eight targets his last game against buffalo and he's definitely going to to be the guy for new england You got Pollard at 7K, you know, must-win game technically for Dallas. Zeke, I mean, this man is just fucking washed up. Fuck Zeke. (laughs) And then you have Joe Mixon, Delvin Cook. Like, all these guys look interesting as well. So, I I don't know. Are you going to play like one guy from this tier if you don't pay up to to cmc with the concerns that they pull starters or are you comfortable just playing like two or three of these you know low 6k running backs
0: yeah i mean i want to hold on Ramondre there like I, i don't think i would play alvin kamara he's just been so so bad despite the workload like i would rather play Najee, cam kenneth walker miles sanders who we didn't touch on either i would rather play all those guys to like the camara pollard tier um mixon and cook are both interesting both teams theoretically have stuff to play for dalvin cook gets a stone cold nut matchup against the bears whose defense is so bad against running backs it's not even funny but dalvin has also been relatively low ceiling this year as well at 7300 and and they could definitely not give it their all here because they, they really are kind of pigeonholed into either the two or three seed. So I don't know about Dalvin. I think that if I'm not paying up for McCaffrey, I'm probably picking two to three running backs that are like six, seven or below. The Stevenson one is very interesting to me because like you said, it's a must win game. Patriots are definitely going full throttle here, but Damian Harris outtouched him last week in-, in terms of attempts and receptions. And the receptions part is what really makes me concerned about trying to stomach Ramondre Stevenson this week. Do you think that that was like a fluky one game sample kind of thing? Like Stevenson had more targets but only caught two of them and Harris caught three for three in in his targets so I mean how are you looking at this Patriots backfield with Damian Harris back
1: yeah I mean I I think that we just go back to how it was early in the season with kind of being a split but Ramondre is the pass down back Mac Jones also missed Ramondre on multiple check downs just and, and I know one bounced off his hands too So I think Ramondre is still the the better running back in this offense. I think that he has the pass down role, but I do think Damian Harris is going to be a factor as long as he's healthy. And Damian Harris is a good player. I I don't think there's any questioning that he is a good player, and prior to the season, there was talk about like getting him more involved in the passing game and he started out the season you know two catches in, in three straight games on three targets and I, I think like he's probably going to get a couple and at 5300 I, I guess he's like a, a solid tournament play for sure you know my my mind goes to him just breaking that 75 yard run against Buffalo in that win game and the way to, to really beat the Bills, in my opinion, if you're a team like New England, is to beat them on the ground. So so that's obviously what they're going to try to do. So I think Ramondre and Damian Harris are both solid plays this week, but but not great.
0: That sounds about right to me. Miles Sanders is the other guy at 5,900 who I think stands out. I don't know how popular he'll be this week. I think he should be relatively popular, though. It's a really good spot, like we've said a couple times. Philly needs to win this game to secure the number one seed. They're at home. They have the highest total on the week. They're massive favorites, 14 points last time I checked the spread. And last time they played the Giants, Sanders had one of his best games of the season, ran for 144 yards and scored two touchdowns. Giants are relatively weak on the ground in terms of defense. So, I mean, Miles Sanders, sub-6K looks really good to me as well. And I would put him right in that same tier as Najee, Cam, and Walker in terms of cash game viability.
1: Yeah, I I just don't think you're playing him in cash just because he has no pass catching upside. And really, the only way that he's hitting his ceiling is by getting 100 yards in a touchdown. If you just scroll through his game logs, in games where he doesn't score a touchdown, he's only gone over 10 DraftKings points one time right like he he just has no upside outside of that and obviously touchdowns are a part of the game he has 11 on the year he, he's been one of the best running backs in that regard this season especially after coming off a, a year where he had zero but I, I don't want to play a player like that in, in cash with with no pass catching upside at least with like Najee and, and Kenneth Walker specifically like they they have games in their range where they could catch five six balls Miles Sanders just does not have that in his range at all even though I, I think he can that's the thing he can do that he's a good pass catching running back they just don't use him in that way so
0: yeah I mean that being said I I think that like the Eagles have a 28 and a half total so they're like projected to score just over four touchdowns like realistically I mean I don't don't know I think it's a fine play in cash and and like this week I think you're just as concerned about floor as you are with ceiling because there's so little guaranteed floor in a week like this
1: yeah but uh, also if you're if you're playing Jalen Hurts you're not playing Miles Sanders
0: That is a very good point. Very good point there. All right. Is there anybody else that you want to touch on for cash games at running back?
1: No, I mean, pretty much covered all the running backs that – I have interest in, in both cash games and tournaments. So. All
0: right. At the wide receiver position, I think the big question on this week is whether or not we believe Justin Jefferson is going to go for the single season receiving record. He's 9,100 on the road against Chicago. He's 194 yards away from setting this record. It's obviously within his range. I mean, this year alone, he's gone for 223 in a game, 193 in a game, 184 in a game. He went for 154 yards against the same Bears team in Week 5. The Vikings have very, very little to play for. Like I've said, they can't be higher than the 2-seed. They can't be lower than the 3-seed. But, I mean, this is very important to Justin Jefferson. Like, he, he's he been talking about it since the beginning of the year. It's within his reach. It's within his range. The matchup is right. 9,100. Can you stomach playing Justin Jefferson in cash with potential that he doesn't play the full game at such an exorbitant price tag?
1: I just don't think that Minnesota is too motivated here. Obviously, they they can get the two seed, which I mean is important, right? That that'll give you two home games instead of three if they win, and that that could definitely be crucial. So yeah, may, maybe they maybe they do go all out in, in hopes that the Niners lose in in the four p.m. window. So yeah, maybe they don't rest their starters. Ninety one hundred for Justin Jefferson. Now that I'm thinking about it, I mean that that looks good, but the the only way that he gets the record is if they, you know, forcefully just feed him the ball, right? That, that That's the only way he gets it.
0: Yeah, I mean, he could get his standard, you know, 11 targets plus, which he had in five straight games leading up to last week's disappointing five target performance. And, and JJ got shut down by Jair or something that we definitely didn't see coming. I mean, we thought it would be quite the opposite. I, I think that it'll depend on how close he is after the first half. Like if, if he's like gone for over 100 yards in the first half, like are they not going into the locker room at halftime and, and he's going up to Kirk like, bro, I need this i've wanted this i need it give it to me i think he goes for it i think that honestly they let him go for it to be to be honest with you that's my lean right
1: now i mean he could he could easily get it easily like, right
0: like this bears defense is horrible they shut down justin fields they're starting nathan peterman like they've given up on the season they want a better draft pick like everything sets up for justin to do whatever he sees fit this weekend
1: If he goes for like 10 12 catches like, there, there's a good chance that he gets the, you know, 194 or whatever he needs to get 2,000 or, or break the record or whatever. He he needs a little bit more than that for 2,000, though.
0: Yeah, he needs what? 2,29?
1: 2,29 for, for 2K.
0: I mean, he had 2,23 four games ago. It's in his range.
1: <laughs> it's definitely in his range, but... It, it all comes down to him just, they, they just need to feed him. If if they don't, he's not going to hit it. Obviously, he he wants to break the record and show that he he's the best wide receiver in the league. I think that's a pretty big motivating factor for Jefferson, but nonetheless, he's probably still the best play on the slate at wide receiver. And then we have some other guys that look kind of interesting, like in that 7K tier with Diggs, AJ Brown, CeeDee Lamb, Jamar Chase even T. Higgins, Devonta Smith, all of those guys should be in games where both teams are are trying to win, right? Or, or their teams respectively are trying to win, I should say. So I don't mind any of those guys, but you're probably getting up to Jefferson at that point for like 700, 800 more. A lot of the ownership, in my opinion, is probably gonna come from this mid-range once again so you got so you have like garrett wilson at 5800 probably going to be stone chalk dj moore 6100 chris olave 6200 obviously the these teams really have nothing to play for but i still think that they play their starters and go all out dj moore specifically i mean balling to end the season mm-hmm. right he's probably going for you know the the thousand yard mark he, he needs 122 yards to hit a thousand he's gone 18 plus DraftKings points in three straight games three touchdowns in three straight games set his career high in touchdowns this year with seven 6100 for DJ Moore I I could see him being uh, one of the better plays but the Panthers also have nothing to play for
0: yep I think that Moore and Garrett Wilson are the two best plays in in this group and I think outside of that like pretty much largely skipping over the low 7ks to high 6k range like I don't think anybody's playing the Bucks guys the Chargers guys Iuke Metcalf Olave. like I I don't really think any of those guys are in place so you're really looking at justin jefferson at the top garrett wilson dj Moore, like you mentioned in the mid range and then looking for value with the rest of your wide receiver picks as we're going to be probably paying up for quarterback we're not getting value running backs this week so we need value at the wide receiver position some guys that stand out to me from a projections Standpoint: Jacoby Myers at 5,100. Drake London, 4,900. Any interest in these mid-tier players? I think Jacoby looks really good at 5,100. Averaging eight targets over the last two weeks, two productive games back-to-back. Price tag is right at 5-1. What's your read on your boy, Jacoby?
1: I mean, he's a good play. He's the best wide receiver on the Patriots, and Matt Jones looks to him a ton, and Matt Jones trusts him. So, 5,100 for Jacoby. Definitely in cash game consideration. Drake London looks okay at 4,900. Falcons, obviously, they, they've been had nothing to play for. He's still getting 10-plus targets a week. Ceiling is obviously very low, but if you, if you could probably lock in 10 to 15 points with Drake London, I think that's okay on a week like this. Greg Dorch, I know, is popping a little bit at 3,800. Back-to-back games with 10-plus targets, only connected on four of them for 15 yards last week, so not the best uh output, but the, the volume is there for Dorch. Uh, this game could be kind of meaningless for san fran at a certain point in the game and greg dorch is probably going to be in every snap player for the cardinals so don't mind that rasheed shaheed at 4200 i mean the the volume hasn't been there but this dude is is breaking a 50 yard uh, a 50 yard uh, play every every week so I, th- I think you got it you got to consider him I, and and the saints might have might have found a, a nice complimentary receiver to chris olave moving forward I, th- I think he's actually solid
0: they're gonna need one because michael thomas never playing another snap for that team i'll tell you that right now but yeah, that, I mean, that's a I discussion mean, for next
1: year <laughs> get get this the saints an actual quarterback and i mean they they might have something cooking with uh chris olave rashid shaheed jawan johnson like
0: yeah honestly like it's really sounding pretty good to me and yeah this dude shaheed is legit he's had catches of 35 40 68 58 over the last five games like this kid makes plays week in and week out what else is yeah. there to say and it's a good matchup against carolina so if you absolutely need salary this week i would be very comfortable with like Shahid and dorches as, as two lower tier options that you can definitely guarantee some production out of
1: yeah i mean yeah for 400 more uh, I'm playing Shahid over Greg Dorch just for the ceiling like Dorch is obviously the floor play right and, and he can hit a ceiling but Shahid is is the ceiling play the the big play threat and I, I just want that in my lineup especially at home in a dome great matchup the the Cardinals will probably get absolutely slaughtered by the 49ers yeah honestly
0: so. I mean they could run a whole second string team and probably uh take care of the Cardinals there <laughs> to be honest with you all right at At the tight end position this week, things are typically grim and they remain grim I mean I don't, I don't know like what do you what do you feel at the tight end position I'm looking for tight ends on good offenses that still care about playing I see Hayden Hurst at 3,100 that looks interesting to me Hunter Henry 3,300 last stand for the Patriots here you could go to Juwan Johnson in a meaningless game but like it's been meaningless for the Saints for a while now 3,700 I still think that Juwan Johnson is in play here do you have a lean between any
1: of these guys for cash games Uh not not really I mean I mean yeah I just had Juwan juan johnson he, he's he's a good player you know he he's an athletic tight end probably going to be taking a lot of juan johnson and best ball for sure next year so i think he's okay maybe we see what happens with the the bucks tight ends potentially i mean cam brate was a healthy and active last week k ran a ton of routes but obviously the bucks have nothing to play for but like i don't think k Don is like part of like that veteran rest group like he he's a rookie tight end So I I still think that he plays quite a bit against atlanta he's only 3k maybe you you go the galaxy brain route and, and try and play like parham jr 3200 him and everett obviously they for los angeles everett's the starter you know if they decide to to rest their starters parham get some extra run there and, and maybe you go the nasty route and you play albert O at 2900 that that's probably the look to be honest with dolchich on ir and and the coach coming out and saying like why hasn't this guy been playing
0: yeah why hasn't he been playing i took so much of this dude in best ball and now now they realize that he hasn't been playing like all right cool but yeah i mean he he came in played 53 percent of snaps with greg Dulcich on ir had six targets like it's a good matchup i don't think the chargers are going to be too motivated they'll probably be resting some of their key defensive players i think albert O's is fine at 2900 if you want to go that route
1: yeah I, I think he's the best cash game play at tight end and just a just a quick 2023 take I'll say buy low on on the Denver Broncos in best ball.
0: You looked at what you saw this year from Russell Wilson and you're saying, "Yeah, give me some of that next year."
1: I'll be on I'll be on the bounce back train.
0: Okay. Okay. I I respect the take. I haven't really processed my thoughts yet on uh, 2023. We'll we'll definitely talk about that a lot there, this offseason. There, there's
1: no way that he could be total dust.
0: I mean, we got a pretty low, big sample size cooking <laughs> right now of him being pretty goddamn dusty.
1: Yeah, but I mean, a ton of injuries, bad coaching, yeah, bad offensive line play. Right, they haven't been healthy on offense, like with their whole skill position group at all this entire season, and they've had no running back play since Javante Williams tore his ACL
0: yeah no I think that that's a big piece too right like they they had Javante and then they thought they could rock with Melvin Gordon and that was clearly a fail after Javante went down yeah maybe things could be different I I think it was I think it was
1: just I think just real quick like I think it was obviously Russell Wilson has not been playing up to the level and standards that we expect him to be right he he was an MVP candidate just a few years ago and I honestly think that with the combination of coaching and injuries and pretty much just everything everything going wrong for the Broncos and and then the media hate for Russell Wilson. I think it just affected the entire broncos team and they'll go into 2023 healthy new coach potentially an upgrade if they get like john harbaugh or sean payton or somebody like that to to come in and replace nathaniel hackett they still have a ton of good skill position talent with javante williams Cortland saw and jerry judy dolchich albert O. fix a few things and when all these players are fucking seventh round picks eight round picks plus that you buy low
0: yeah, I mean, I think you, shit, I think you get Russ way cheaper than that. So. Well,
1: yeah, Russ specifically, but the the skill position guys are probably gonna go yeah a little bit lower than what they were this year.
0: No, no doubt about it. Yeah, I mean, definitely, and and we'll have all off season to discuss that in terms of tournament strategy this week, leverage stacks and long shots, I would offer the same piece of leverage advice that I offered last week. And that's like, don't do what the field is doing with motivation. I mean, obviously, there will be some spots where we have clear indications, but if things are up in the air and people are are debating will they, won't they, just go the opposite of of what the field is thinking. Like we saw that last week play out perfectly. Like the Jags said they were going to play their guys. The field bought into it. Evan Ingram was chalky as fuck. And then they barely play their guys. Like they, they pulled them in the third quarter and and I I thought that that was a pretty easy spot to look at and and just do the opposite of what the field is doing and I think that we have that same opportunity again this week if not even more so with the motivation talk becoming louder and louder as the week goes on
1: yeah I mean totally 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 agree and honestly I think this is one of really the the only week 18s or final weeks of the season I should say that we've had in a while where I don't see a lot of a lot of starters getting benched you know prior to the game I think a lot of these teams are going to come out and play their guys. like really the only spot where I could see like starters not playing you know after the first quarter is the giants all of these teams in my opinion have something to play for maybe you can include the chargers in there they they really don't especially if the ravens lose to the Bengals. but that game at 1 p.m between cincinnati and baltimore is important all of the bad teams that are playing on that slate are, are going to play their guys besides maybe tampa bay so i mean you you got a few teams like tampa bay new york giants potentially the chargers depending on what happens but other than that i mean It looks like it's full systems go for for every team. So just just real quick, Adam Schefter just said on ESPN that he expects a decision on Bills-Bangles before the Saturday games kick off. And he added he does not expect the Bills-Bangles to resume, meaning winning percentage will determine seeding. That's what Schefter expects to happen
0: you don't want to go against big daddy Schefter's expectations either let me tell you that
1: and that's kind of what I was saying earlier we should get a decision tomorrow or Saturday I mean that's what makes the most sense because that will determine what what teams will do uh, for this slate so that's just news that we have to pay attention to and we'll talk more about on Saturday to build all uh, these tournament lineups because I, I think that's probably the biggest piece of information that we're missing right now so
0: no doubt about that with the information that we currently have the stacks that I'm most interested in playing in DraftKings tournaments would be sort of the top tier teams that we've talked about you know Josh Allen Jalen Hurts Joe Burrow stacks I think make a lot of sense I don't want to waste any time or or money or lineups trying to think out you know Sam Ellinger Sam Howell uh fucking nathan peterman shit like it's just it's not good and i'm just gonna completely stay away from all stuff like that and attack the teams that you know have legitimate ceilings with legitimate motivation
1: for me there there's not many stacks that i like on this slate um this slate is not good i'll I'll probably not run any tournament lineups to be honest i'll probably just play uh props and and do my uh six leg parlays my four leg parlays and, and those will be my tournaments for the week if I had to pick a stack, I mean, it's definitely the Eagles yeah, for sure, especially with nobody going to play A.J. Brown or, or Devonta Smith. Then you also have Dallas Goddard as a cheap option. You can include their Bengals stack looks good, even though if this winning percentage theory does hold up, can they get the two seed? I, I don't know if you've looked into that. Like, If they win and, and the Bills win, they're locked into the to the three seed, right? Like, Correct. Bills would be locked into the two depending on what happens with the Chiefs game.
0: Yeah, the the Bengals would lose a lot of their optionality if that were to be the case.
1: But the Bengals have to win for the division.
0: Correct, correct. Uh, Against the team that they're in competition for as as they play the Ravens. Yeah,
1: so this this is a divisional winning matchup. Yes. Okay, Bengals stack then as well.
0: Yep, I mean, I really think that almost nobody will go the Bengals double route with Chase and Higgins priced up so highly, so.
1: Yeah, Jamar Chase is my flag plant for this week.
0: I like that. I like that quite a bit. And I I think A.J. Brown would be mine in terms of a a play. I mean, we'll have to see what the ownership comes in at. But 8K and everybody trying to pay up for Justin Jefferson, I just don't see A.J. Brown being overly popular. And I think, you know, Jalen Hurts coming back into the lineup makes a difference. I think A.J. Brown has a legit ceiling here. You're definitely paying up to be contrarian at 8K. And I'm, I'm willing to do that on a slate like this. Absolutely.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't have much else. I mean, hopefully, yeah. you know, <laughs> if people are still listening. Shout out to you. I mean, the the regular season grind is uh, almost over and it, it, it's been a good season and uh, shout out shout out to everybody that's uh, that supported us throughout the, the season. so
0: Yep, and and this isn't goodbye. We'll have content for the NFL playoffs as well, a ton of prop stuff on the YouTube channel, and of course, the late-night live stream on Saturday, the final late-night live stream of the season. Make sure you guys join that. Tune in. We'll have some more definitive information, I think, at that point as to what's going on with the bills Bengals game and, and scheduling, and yeah, uh, tune into the stream. That's all I can say. It'll be good vibes as yep. we close things out for this year and that is going to be it for episode 279 of the dfs dose podcast make sure you follow us on twitter at dose media Net, as well as our personal twitters i'm at ben Hover, joey's at joey Carrion dfs if you guys want to connect with us and stay up to date with what's going on within the network you can join our inner circle via the free discord chat link to do so is in the show notes to this podcast to everybody listening out there we appreciate you we value you until next time let's stay accountable and keep it authentic